my name is Alex Rosa, and I'm excited to be with you today. We're continuing our series called Spiritual Disciplines that the Colonel Arthur Pace excellently began for us last week, and today we're specifically talking about prayer. But before we get into that, I want to lay a little bit more foundation for this entire series. Because sometimes when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we can get in the bad habit of thinking that when we do more of those, we earn more of God's love. But let us know this. Jesus doesn't love us more for doing spiritual disciplines. He loves us more than we can imagine already. With a never stopping, always and forever love. That is our God. He has loved us since the beginning of time. Before we were born, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again before we did anything right, before we did anything to earn whatever we think we can earn. But God loves us. And so what we're doing with spiritual disciplines is experiencing the fullness of God's love. And so we're talking about putting things into practice that get us into God's presence and get us to understand him more and tighten our relationship with God. And so we're talking today about prayer, which is a huge step of understanding God's love. You might be like me, and and sometimes when you go to prayer, you kind of wonder to yourself, is something happening? Am I I doing it right? God, can you hear me? Sometimes maybe we go to prayer and maybe we're angry too. Then God, can you hear me? Are you here? Why did you do this? Or why won't you do that? And in those moments, I I think about my son. My oldest son, Ezra, and me uh, often play on the ground with his toys, whatever toys he's enjoying at the moment, Toy Story toys. Lately, it's been Transformers, which I really like, so I'm really into playing with Transformers with him. So I'm sitting on the ground, we're playing Transformers. But my son has this bad habit of occasionally looking over to me while we're playing and saying, Daddy, will you play with me? And I'm like, yes, I'm on the ground. I'm playing with you, like literally right now. And then we go back to playing. And then a couple minutes later, he'll look back and say, Daddy, can you play with me? And I'm like, Ezra, I'm, I'm literally right here. Like I'm, play, I'm transforming Cheetor from a cheetah to a robot. Like what, what more do you want from me? Occasionally, though, it is on me because I'm not a perfect father. I've looked away or I've picked up another toy or I've even looked at my phone, not good, move dad part on me. But there's times where Ezra will then turn, and this is the guilt-inducing one. He'll go, Daddy, you're not playing with me. And I'm like, in those moments, I grab my son, occasionally by the cheeks, and I look at him and I say, I'm right here. And there's times when we're in prayer and we're like, God, where are you? And God wants desperately to say, I'm right here. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe who is all places at all times. And prayer at its core is simply a conversation with that all-everything God. And he's saying, just wipe away the toys and look at me because I'm right here with you. Get the distractions out of there and listen to me. And so we're going to be talking about that. How do we quiet ourselves? How do we hear God's word? What do we do when we pray? A couple years ago, I had these questions. I was wondering, okay, like, am I getting the most out of my prayer time? Most of the time, it was just me asking for things. God, can I have this? Can you do this in my life? I need help in this area. And I felt like maybe I wasn't getting the most out of the time I was spending or investing with God. And so I went to Pastor Barry, Pastor Chris, who I know both of them have really thriving prayer lives. And I said, what do you guys do? What do you do during your time of prayer? And so they outlined their specific structures for me, and then they pointed me to a book 
called The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. And it's a phenomenal book, really short read. You can, you can get it even on the Hoopla app, which connects you with library. Fun facts about Hoopla. Uh, you can get the audiobook or the, the digital one for free. It's, it's great. That's how I listened to it initially. And, and it is a phenomenal resource about walking through different steps and disciplines in prayer. So I started to apply it to my life about four years ago. And I'll tell you this, there has been nothing in my life that has changed me and the way that I view the world like this time in prayer. That's not hyperbole. Me investing this time with God has allowed God to to really come in and remove the stuff that's not of him and allow me to hear his voice more clearly. A couple weeks ago, we went through a series called Passing the Baton, where we're talking about how in 2024, Pastor Chris is passing the baton of lead pastor to myself. And I'll tell you this, I would not have been ready to accept that role without this time of prayer. And I would not be able to continue in the role that I'm in now without going constantly to God in prayer. It's that vital and important to my life. So today, what I'd simply like to do is transfer what I've been learning and researching from Pastor Barry, Pastor Chris, Dick Eastman, and through God's word to you today and talk about the structure that I have in prayer. Now, I will say that this isn't the only structure that you can pray with. This is, that's not what I'm trying to say today. Prayer simply, again, is talking, a conversation with the all-powerful God. And as long as you're doing that, you're doing prayer. But what I want to share is disciplines that have helped me get the most out of my prayer time. Because at the end of the day, we only have so many hours. And so what I wanted to do was invest as much intentional time as I can, and I want to impart that to you today. And as we do that, let's look at our take-home point, and it's this. We don't pray to earn God's love. We pray to experience the fullness of God's love. So what I've learned isn't necessarily the only way, but it has been a way that I felt the fullness of God's love, and I, I want that for you as well. And this is a practice that Jesus often did. When he was walking on this earth, although he is 100% God, he was 100% man, he's the son of God, he still took it upon himself to break away and invest time with God. He thought it was that important. And there's three instances that I want to highlight from God's word about Jesus going away in prayer. The first one is Luke 5:16. It says, "But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer." No, it sounds simple. The very next verse, it says that Jesus was filled with the healing power of God and went on to serve others. In Mark 1.35, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Directly after this one, the disciples come up to Jesus and are like, hey, there's this crowd of people. You talk to them previously, they're back, and they want to talk to you again. And Jesus goes, hey, God's telling me that I need to go somewhere else. He's telling me that the direction is over here. So he goes and continues spreading on the good news of God. After that prayer time, he got the direction from God and he went. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. After this prayer time, he gets up and he walks on water. So what do we see Jesus knew that this, this time was well invested with his heavenly father. He was communing with God. And as he did that, he left those times with the healing power to serve people, with direction in God's will understood, 
And then he also went and did miracles. And the cool thing is God wants the same thing for us today. He wants us to be used by him in mighty ways for miraculous purposes. He wants us to understand his will and direction for our lives as well. And he wants us to serve other people. And one of the best ways we can get equipped with that is simply by investing time with God. So what we're going to do now is I'm just going to walk through the, the different, the 10 different emphases that I have on prayer. But before we get into that, let's pray. Dear God, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to us. Let us hear your voice today clearly. Pray that you'll challenge us and encourage us at the same time, reminding us of how good you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So previously, I said that my prayer time was only me asking for things. After looking at Dick Eastman's book, I realized that the way that I should start is praise and thanksgiving. By going to God and thanking him for what he has done. Because previously, my focus was on me. And we have a bad habit of that as people. We start to think that the world revolves around ourselves. And it makes sense because we're in our own minds and we know what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And so it can get easy to assume that everyone else understands that as well and that our needs should be met first. And when we go to God in prayer, when I used to go and say that, that was how I continued to live with the world revolving around me. But when I start with praise and thanksgiving, something happens in my heart. You see, praising God puts our lives into the right perspective and reminds us of who God is. Puts our lives in the right perspective, knowing that God is the one that's in control, that everything revolves around him, that he is the main character in the story, that he always has been, always will be. And so praising and thanksgiving practically looks like saying, God, thank you. Thank you for my family, thank you for my wife, and thank you for my kids. Thank you for your death and your resurrection. It's also marveling at God's goodness. It's saying, thank you so much for the beautiful weather yesterday. I can see your intricate design in nature. You are amazing. You're merciful. You're graceful, God. It's bringing up God's different names that they call them in Scripture. You are the Lord of Lords. The God of gods, the almighty, that's who you are. And as we lift these praises up, something amazing occurs in our hearts. If you're like me, sometimes I enter into prayer with a weight on my shoulder, with worries, with anxieties, with troubles that I'm dealing with. And during this time of praise, it refocuses me to remind me how big God is. Because if I just said something like, God, thank you for creating the planet with your voice, my issues start to kind of lift because I understand how big God is. So we praise Thanksgiving God first. And then we go into a time of silence. And I'll be completely honest with you, I'm not great at this. I was convicted a couple weeks ago by Pastor Chris that I talk too much in prayer. He was talking about like how important it is to simply sit and be with God, and I realized that I spend most of my time talking and not enough time being quiet in the presence of God. And so I went and did it. I went and practiced it two days. And I wish I could say for the next like three weeks I did it, but I did it for two days, and then I stopped, and then I came back to it. I came back to it because It was impactful on my life. And so there's a part of me that was saying, I shouldn't include this because I'm not very good at it. But I want to be completely honest with you. This silence time is important. The first time I did it, I I just said, okay, I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to be quiet and God, you do whatever you want. And immediately I was filled with this joy of being in the presence of God. This last year, 2021, had 
It's unique difficulties, I'm sure, for all of us. I know for me, different relational things, emotional things, and, and, and my mind and my heart. And, and when I had hard times come, I had this practice. And it, it's kind of silly, so feel free to laugh at me if you want to. But whenever I was alone and I was feeling like there was this weight or, or I was in this kind of fight, I would stand up where I was and I'd take like a fighting stance, like Rocky, and I'd hear like the theme song in my head, like, all right, I can take on what's going on. And it was kind of a dumb practice, but it was like one of those things that get me excited. And as I went in silence with God, immediately I heard him say, stop it and lay down. And I was like, lay down? Like, what do you mean lay down? Like, that's not how you fight. And God says, I'm in control. I have the fight in hand. And it was this moment of this, this emotional joy of going, what am I thinking? I try to do things in my own power, but God is the one in charge. He has the power. This is the same thing that Moses told the people as God's people were freed from slavery in Egypt. They're running from Pharaoh's army. Moses tells the people this in Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And then what does God do? He splits a sea so they can walk in on dry land. They get away from this army. The Lord himself will fight for you today as well. We just need to stay calm and understand who our God is. Similarly, in David's life, David, before he became King David, was a young man that was against big odds. He was against Goliath, this giant of a man that was head of the Philistine army, and he was going to go and defeat whatever God's warrior would come against him. And if they won, they were going to enslave God's people. And David, this young man, comes against Goliath. And this is what happens. David replied to the Philistine, this Goliath, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, which they neglect in all like the children's books out there, uh, that part. And then I, and this part, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Once again, this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. So David throws a rock with a sling and defeats Goliath, but he knows that it's not him that's defeating the Goliath. It is God, and we have that same God with us now. And that same God wants to come alongside us and say, hey, the whole purpose of this time, the whole purpose of me being with you is sometimes to just be quiet in God's presence and be reminded of who he is. So as we go into silence, let's focus on this idea, to be still and know he is God. There's so many distractions in the world. There's so many things that can like pull us one way or another, but there's power in sitting with God and understanding how big he is. So after a time of silence, we've praised God, we, we, we invested some time in silence, and then we go to a time of confession. Going to confession is practically looking at our lives and saying, how have I not lived like Jesus in the last Whatever, 24 hours, whatever, last time since we've talked, how have I not been like Jesus? The goal is to be like Jesus, so where have I fallen short? And then to humble ourselves and to bring those and to ask forgiveness from God. And when we do that, he'll give us relief from guilt 
and pain. And he'll give us forgiveness. He wants to forgive us from our sins. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, but if we confess our sins to him, meaning God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Our God forgives. Our God wants to take our sins and throw them as far as the east is from the west. And during this time, it's important to make sure that our guard and our, our awareness is up because the enemy is going to come in. He likes to come in during these spiritual disciplines and tell us stuff like we're not good enough, and that we haven't done it well enough. But remember, our God loves us more than we can imagine. He loved us before we were born. He cares for us. And so in these moments when we're confessing sin, it is not to build up guilt. It's to become more like Jesus. And so when these feelings of guilt come up, let's remember that condemnation comes from the devil, but conviction comes from God. Might trick themselves into feeling similarly, but condemnation says you're not good, you'll never be good. And conviction says, yeah, you did something that wasn't good, that was against my will. But here's the thing, God wants to forgive it and move you more and more to look like his son. So conviction is this action of saying, hey, let's repent, let's turn to God, and let's change the way that we're thinking. Condemnation lets us go away from God. Conviction brings us closer. So let's use that time wisely to say, all right, God, how have I not been like you? And turn to him and be encouraged and reminded over and over of his love for us because he does love you dearly. One of my favorite quotes that reminds me of this is from Levi Lusco in Swipe Right. It says, we brand ourselves and give ourselves permanent labels. I'm a divorcee, I'm an orphan, I declare bankruptcy, I am a felon, or even something as simple as I'm not a mourning person, as though that is what we will always be. But the power of the cross is that your identity doesn't come from your activity or your life's brutality, but from the perfect love of Jesus. You are not defined by your failures or pain, but by his forgiveness. Amen. Amen. We're talking about experiencing the fullness of God's love. And so in these moments where we're getting honest, we can remind ourselves that God loves us. It's not like, okay, we do so many things right and then he loves us. We could say, even with all the mistakes, all the things that we've done wrong, God still says, you're mine and I love you and I died for you so we can be in this relationship together. If our lives are given over to him as Lord and Savior, we get this intimate relationship with God And when we fall short, he forgives us and brings us back up. So we spend time, we invest time rather in confession. And then we go to the Holy Spirit. And this is a time of be being filled. Be being filled, meaning that when we call upon the Holy Spirit, we ask him to fill us over and over. You see, this isn't supposed to be a one-time thing. We are called to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. So practically, what does this look like? We go to the Holy Spirit and say, fill me up and govern me. Guide my thoughts, my actions, my words, my reactions, everything that's going to happen today. You be in charge. It's saying, Holy Spirit, produce the good fruit in me that you produce. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I almost lost it there halfway through. Uh, and and we, when we do that, the Holy Spirit will produce those in our lives. It's saying, Holy Spirit... Give me the supernatural gifts that that you provide and help me to use them for your kingdom. Right now, my prayer has been over and over, Holy Spirit, give me the eyes to see where you're working because he is working. Give me the ears to hear where you're speaking. Give me the ability to feel where you're moving and give me the courage to respond accordingly. So Holy Spirit, take 
over our lives today. Draw us closer to you. So after being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we invest some time in reading and reflection. Reading God's word, reflecting upon it, applying it to our lives. The word of God is alive and moving and it wants to help us today. God wants to teach you about him and he wants to teach us how to live this life, to get the abundant life that God has promised to us. And so we invest some time, whether it's a verse, a chapter, four chapters, whatever it is in your daily habit. And then I think it's wise to ask a few questions as after we read or while we're reading. First one, who was this originally written to and what was the author saying? It's important to remember that the Bible will never say what it never said. So it's good to know who was the writer, who were they writing to, what were they saying to the original audience? The second thing we can think about, why did God tell us this? So why did God bring me to this moment where I'm reading this passage today? God thought it was important enough to have this in his holy word. Why? And why, what do I need to do about it? And the last one, how am I supposed to live differently because of this word? How do I apply this to my life so I can look more like Jesus? Pastor Chris often says, Information plus application leads to transformation. And that's what we're desiring. We're desiring to live more like Jesus. And so in this pursuit of looking more like Jesus, we apply God's word. James excellently said it this way in James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So we read God's word, reflect upon it, we apply it to our lives. We maybe take one thing, maybe even journal it, you take one thing, all right, this is what God's word is telling me today, I'm gonna apply it to my life. I was talking after service with someone about this and, and sometimes we can get in the bad habit of saying, all right, I can do all these 10 things today, I'm gonna apply all of them and oftentimes we don't do any of the 10 things. So let's look at one thing. What is one thing we can apply to our lives that will make us look more like Jesus and then put that into habit and make that ingrained in our heart and then go on to the next thing the next day. So reading God's word and then we can invest some time interceding for other people in a time of intercession, which is really just praying for others or standing in the gap for people or, or asking God to act on other people's behalf. And when we do that, let us remind ourselves who we are praying to, the God of the universe, the God that can do all things, this God that we already invested some time praising, saying, God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. So as we intercede, let's pray with confidence. And let's pray specifically with expectancy and authority, specifically expectancy and authority, knowing God has the power to do more than we can imagine. God wants to act in our lives and in the lives around us. He wants to act all over the world. So as we pray for those in need, let's pray specifically. Let's pray knowing that God will act and knowing that we pray in the authority of Jesus Christ, who through the Holy Spirit is connected with us. And so as we pray for other countries, as we pray for those in the Ukraine today, let us pray with confidence knowing that God is there right now. As we pray for God to convict the hearts of the Russian leaders, we pray knowing that our God has convicted murderers in the past to change their ways. As we pray for those in Romania to have enough resources to, to house people from Ukraine that are coming there, we know that God doesn't flinch when it comes to needing resources. He can provide anything. So we pray specifically. 
A couple years ago, I was in Vietnam, and I was blessed to have breakfast with a pastor named Jeff Wynn from Singapore. And as we were talking, he shared a story about him in a village that he, that he lives in. And one day, someone came to his house, and this person wanted to talk to him about God, but not in like a friendly way, in like a way that he wanted to like shake Jeff down and like kind of scare him a little bit. He said he was from like a local gang, and he's like, we don't believe you're actually from God. We don't believe that you hear from God, and so prove me wrong. And so in that moment, Jeff prayed, and he said, God, let me know something that I can share with him to let him know that I'm from you. And in that moment, Jeff heard from God that this guy's son had a birthday coming up and he didn't have enough money to have a party or buy presents, whatever. And so then Jeff had a decision to make. Do I take the leap of faith and say these things? And if I'm wrong, this guy's gonna laugh at me. Or do I take the step of faith that God is speaking to me and see what happens? And so he took the step of faith and he said, your son's birthday's coming up. You don't have money, but here. And God convicted Jeff to give him money. So Jeff gave him money saying, use this money to have a birthday party for your son, to do whatever you need to buy him presents. And this guy wept and he gave his life to Jesus. So Jeff interceded even in that moment, but with the faith to say, I need you to move right now. This guy's in my face. I need you to show up. And God delivered. And it's also another helpful lesson of our role that we play when we cry out to God. The missionary Reese Howes, and he's uh, passed away now with the, the Lord, he once said this, you can never become a true intercessor until you are first willing to become a part of the answer to your own prayers. So when we pray, God likes to partner with us to answer prayers. We look back at Moses and the Israelite people cried out in slavery for a savior. So God taps Moses and says, hey, you partner with me, we're going to do this. Same thing with David. God used David to free the people that time as well. And so God wants to use you and me to answer others' prayers and to answer our prayers. So we got to be ready. We don't want to stand in the way of God answering prayers because we're not willing to take that leap of faith. So we must invest some time. We're going to talk about listening in a moment. Invest some time in listening, knowing how God wants us to act. So we intercede for others, and then we can petition God for ourselves. Petition just meaning we go to God and ask him things for us personally. And once again, this is where I used to spend most of my time in prayer But now when it gets to petition, it's pretty obvious what is a petty issue and what is an issue I really need dealt with. Before, I didn't really know how to determine those, but now you go through praising God and confession and reminding yourself of how good and amazing God is, and then you go, okay, well, this one, I I don't maybe, it's not even an issue because you have it, but the other things we bring to God. And honestly, we can bring whatever we want to God because God cares what you care about. He loves you dearly. Again, he's your father and he wants to talk to you. So whatever you want to bring up, bring up to him. But know that he is listening. Know that he's there and he wants to talk to you today. And he wants to act for his good and pleasing and perfect will that he has for your life. That is to live like him and to enjoy that abundant life that Jesus offers. One of my favorite times of petitioning God's word was when Jesus was on this earth and 10 lepers approach him asking for healing. It's recorded in Luke chapter 17. It says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
he looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I like this for a couple reasons. One, because Jesus did a miracle. Two, because the, the gathering of 10 people prayed together, and there's power in that, gathering together and calling out to God in unison. But also, do you catch how Jesus healed them? He said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. Oftentimes, we want it to be like, all right, God, work right now. Go ahead. Come on, heal me right now. But God's saying, you've got to have that faith to go. And as you do that, he's going to move, and we're going to understand how he moves. Oftentimes, in God's word, what it, what it says, Jesus, whenever he heals someone, he said, your faith healed you. So as we pray, let's pray with faith. Let's pray knowing that our God is listening and he wants to act and deliver us from whatever we're going through for his purpose, for his goodwill. So let's turn like those lepers and go in faith knowing that God is going to move. So after we petition God for ourselves, then we go and we listen. And it might sound very similar to silence, and it is in some ways. You're being quiet. But during silence, we simply want to do nothing else but be with God. That's it. Silence is just being in God's presence, whereas listening is more active. We're actively discerning God's will. We're asking for his direction and his wisdom. We have just spent time reading God's word, praying for other people, praying for ourselves, and now we're listening, saying, all right, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do today going forward? And listen, as we spend time listening, God can and wants to speak to you today. Know that. Know that truth. That God is right there. Again, he's right there next to you. Sometimes we might say, God, you're not speaking, but he's saying, stop playing with your toys. Look at me and hear my voice. God can and he wants to speak to you today. So let's listen to his words. Let's be quiet before our maker and hear what he has to say and then ask the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to respond accordingly. And then the last part of the, the prayer structure is worship. We started with praise. We're ending with worship, and I'm not going to get too into worship today because in a couple weeks, Erin Mialki is going to speak about worship, and she's going to do a great job, and I'm excited for that. So I'll just share one thing, and this is a quote from Southeast Asia Prayer Center. They say this, all success in the spiritual realm flows from an atmosphere of praise and worship. All success in the spiritual realm comes out of that atmosphere of praise and worship. So why not start with praise and end with worship because we want success in the spiritual realm. And God loves to hear our worship. So practically, let's sing in a song or a chorus or whatever's on our heart. God loves to hear us worship him. And at the end of it all, we get to say amen. And this is how Jesus told us to end our prayers. It simply means let it be so. Martin Luther has this wonderful quote concerning the amen. He says, make your amen strong. Never doubting that God is surely listening to you. This is what amen means, that I know with certainty that his, this prayer has been heard by God. 
Again, we're praying knowing that God is listening, that he is speaking, that he is with us. And as we go through these disciplines, we'll continue to experience the fullness of God's love. But I wanted to, again, point out that this isn't the only way to pray. And in fact, the more you do a discipline like this, the more you're going to flow in and out of the different steps because it'll be ingrained on your soul. You'll be more comfortable and confident hearing from God. But if you've never done something before, I want to encourage you to start here. And if you need help, we have the outlines, which are where you picked up the Lord's Supper stuff down here. There's some outlines there. It's also going to be on our social media, some reminders. Me and Nancy Marshall, who helps put these outlines together every week, we really went through it meticulously. We wanted it to be a guide. So if you take it and put it in your Bible, in six months when you forget what I've talked about, you can go through and understand what those different ten things are. And as we go and as we practice them, I'd encourage you to start by practicing them one minute a day. So there's 10 steps, one minute a day. That's 10 minutes or nine minutes if it doesn't take you a minute to say amen. So maybe nine minutes and 10 seconds. You can do that. And when we invest that time, God is going to reveal himself to us. It's worth it. Let me tell you, it is worth it. And as you do those nine or 10 minutes, let those continue to expand. I encourage you to do an hour of prayer a day. An hour sounds daunting, but at the end of the, end of the week, it's 4.2% of our week, and we can surely invest that time with God. And the more we do that, the more we're going to feel the fullness of his love. We're going to be able to experience all the blessings that he has for us. We're going to better understand why are the challenges, why are the struggles before us today, and we're going to know that no matter what is before us, we have our God backing us up. So as we go and pray, I wanted to give you, to end our time together, four helpful tips of what to do during prayer. So the first one, put it on your schedule. If you don't plan for it to happen, it won't magically happen. So write it down, put it on your schedule. Find a time that works for you. The second one, tell those you live with what you're doing so they can help. If you're going to do this, tell your spouse or someone you live with, your parents or your kids, hey, from this time to this time, I'm going to be with God. Please protect my time because distractions will come up. So we need one another. So if someone says that to you, protect their time. Take the kids away. Make sure not to bother them during that time because it's important. And they'll see the blessings and you'll receive them as well. You're in their family together. You'll see God change their lives. Third one, make it consistent. Make it form a habit. So if you miss a day, don't miss two. And then if you miss two, don't miss three. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, says that about praying with your spouse specifically. But I think we can apply it to all of our prayer routines. If you miss one, just don't miss two. Continue doing that habit, and then it'll get that ingrained in your soul that we want it to be. The last one, get on your knees. This one I just feel is important because it's hard to be prideful when we're on our knees in front of the Almighty God. Simply nothing else. So sometime during the prayer time, invest a little bit of moments on your knees before God. And as we do that, I'm telling you, God's going to work. God's going to speak. He wants to. He's right there with us. And so let's look over at him. Let's know and be assured that he is there. And let's speak with the God of the universe. And as we go out today, let us do it with this next step, which says, I will invest time in prayer with God each day this week. Let's experience the fullness of God's love as we praise him, as we're sitting in silence with him, 
as we are confessing our sins, as we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're reading God's word, as we're praying for others, and we're praying for ourselves, as we're actively listening and as we're worshiping God, then we know that when we pray that God hears them, because that's what amen means. We know that he is true and he is God. Amen? Now today, if you're in here and you're saying, I've never prayed at all before. I don't have this relationship with God that allows me this access. What do I do? Well, here at New Life, we say it's as simple as A, B, and C, meaning A, I admit that I'm a sinner. So we start by saying, all right, I'm a sinner, and I fall short of God's perfection, his perfect standard. I need Jesus as my Savior. And then we believe in Jesus as the Lord, the owner of our life and the rescuer from sin and death. We confess our sins saying, God, forgive me. And remember, he wants to forgive us. He wants to take the sins out of our lives. And then we commit to living and following God with the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, we're going to have a moment to pray together. Dear God, I thank you for being here in the room. I thank you for your reminders that you haven't stopped working. You haven't stopped moving. I pray right now that there's anyone in here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they will say this prayer alongside me. They'll say it in their own heart, in their own mind, with their own words. They'll say, dear God, I believe you are the one true God and that your son died and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sins. Be the owner of my life. Take control. Holy Spirit, fill me up. I commit to following you right now. Make me a new creation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.